Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home of NARC Troopers. If you like today's episode, you can find a lot more resources at narctroopers.com. Today's topic is the sound of silence. The silent treatment is the narcissist's most dehumanizing weapon. Silence can be weaponized in the most soul-crushing way imaginable. It is used as a method of torment and punishment, and it's used without mercy. People with Narcissistic Personality Disorder, or NPD, commonly use this technique to nullify, render non-existent, erase, expunge, cause pain, and get revenge for perceived maltreatment or narcissistic injury. You don't even have to do anything wrong. They will fabricate uh, your transgressions, you know, just to keep um, their false persona alive and to make themselves innocent, unaccountable, and the victim at all times. When the partner disagrees with the narcissist and asserts a healthy boundary of any kind, maybe they question or doubt them or criticize them, the narcissist deploys an arsenal of abuse tactics. Many of these are very passive aggressive. The most dangerous type of narcissist is the covert, passive, um, shy, vulnerable. There's lots of words for it, but they're not the overt narcissist who runs around raging and and being out of control. These are the ones that are always sweet with a smile and uh, they have their mask on at all times where they're the good guy and uh, they have almost everyone fooled. Research has found that the people who receive the silent treatment experience a threat to their most basic needs that create a meaningful existence. It reinforces the feeling that someone we care about wants nothing to do with us. It can feel as though you don't exist and you're just invisible. The silent treatment creates an atmosphere of anxiety, fear, and sadness that takes away any sense of safety. It causes psychological harm that can lead to feelings of anger, abandonment, rejection, and distress. During devaluation, which is the second in the three stages of narcissistic abuse, during this devaluation, the silent treatment can be used to make the victim feel confused, invisible, unworthy, guilty, ashamed, or unstable enough so that they will do what the narcissist wants them to do. After the discard, which is the third and final stage of narcissistic abuse, the narcissist disappears to leave his former partner without closure, without respect, or without any closure that gives peace. Right? You have to make peace with what's happened. They erase them immediately as if they never existed even if you were married for 30 years, and let me tell you, I've met more than a few people who fall into that category, um, you know, they erase you like you never existed, and it's just ruthlessly invalidating and sadistic.
the way that they leave you tells you everything. You should check out that article. I wrote one by that title. It's to this date, my highest ranking viral article. It's called um, The Way They Leave You Tells You Everything. So it can be found on Medium, <laughs> by the way. Um, so um, narcissists use this silent treatment as a form of punishment. And as a result, they make their victims feel even more powerless, insignificant, and invisible. You know, when we are trapped in a cycle of vicious mental abuse, um, often also called emotional abuse or ambient abuse, um, you know, these are the invisible injuries. Uh, you can't see them, but boy, are they there. We often develop strong feelings for the perpetrators of our mental demise. And the narcissists, well, you know, they have a way of studying us and knowing us better than we know ourselves. It's almost like, you know, it's a predator, uh, instinctual ingrained uh, ability to push out the parts of the brain that you need to actually be human and empathetic and have any kind of moral compass, you just get rid of those. And then you increase that part of your brain that helps you read people. They look at what you say, don't say your posture, um, your expressions, whether your eyes are dilated or not, whether you're, you know, just every little nuanced thing they have this ability to sort of like calculate that and crunch that all in all at the same time to, to give them the data they need to um, pursue you in the way that they need to, to get their fuel and supply. It's actually quite brilliant and they are masters of being able to do this and to read people and to know exactly what they're thinking and what they need so they can pretend to provide it and thus get what they want. Um, so, you know, they, they also know that silence can just gut a person in the cruelest way possible and restore their dominance and power, that that's a very powerful tool that they can use. Not only does the silent treatment make you feel like you don't exist, it can also make you feel physically ill it can provoke migraines, digestive issues, insomnia, as well as symptoms of PTSD, which can last for years after the emotionally abusive relationship is over. And some people, like I'm not going to say some people, most people do not understand this unless it's happened to them. It's unimaginable. But like, it's like, what is your problem? It's been a year. It's been two years. It's been three, four, five. Why are you not? able to just get free of this thing that it's just, you know, it just seems to still be with you and tormenting you and you're still suffering after all this time. We don't understand it. Well, of course they don't understand it. It hasn't happened to them. And there are so many complex layers of things that have happened to you in that relationship with that person that was disordered that, um, you know, it takes a super long time to uh, get through that, to fully um, free yourself of all the interjects and the brainwashing and the, it's like being in a cult. You have to be deprogrammed and it just takes such a long time sometimes. Not always. Some of you are more fortunate. You move through all the 
parts of recovery a little bit faster, but for the vast majority of people, it's, it takes way longer than what a regular breakup would take. They can execute a successful eradication strategy so easily because they have something called flat attachment. And this, these flat attachment styles mean that they never really ever connect with their partners in an authentic and intimate way. It is just a fantasy and mirroring and um, they're just reflecting you. And that makes them appear to be loving when in fact they do not even know what love is, nor do they have, have they ever really experienced it either. Um, also, if they have psychopathy baked into their narcissistic pie, um, in addition to, to supply, to prop up their false persona, they are ruthlessly goal-oriented because psychopaths are goal-oriented, whereas the narcissist is more image-oriented. When you have served your purpose, you are summarily discharged. The psychopathic narcissist or malignant pathological narcissist, as they are sometimes called, they will ghost their partner without warning, sometimes after decades of marriage. Actually, ghosting is simply the ultimate silent treatment, right? Um, the silent treatment and ghosting, which is, you know, the silent treatment and invisibility cloak, it's like an invisibility cloak, like, um, you know, Lord of the Rings, right? Um, when they do that for more than three or four days, technically, you know, you, you know that what you're dealing with here, it's, it's an ever-present tool of the passive-aggressive person with NPD. Many narcissists never raise their voice or their hand, but they cause devastating harm by abandoning their partners, most often when their partners need them the most. This behavior is seen during devaluation and almost always at the end. They get much pleasure in knowing how their absence torments you and it makes them feel powerful and in control to be the cause of so much pain and grief, right? There's a benefit in there for them. You know, supply and fuel don't always have to be positive. Sometimes it's just, you know, it's like with little kids, negative attention is better than not having any attention at all. When I was suddenly abandoned and ghosted after 15 years of marriage to a man with NPD and psychopathic and sociopathic traits, it's as if he had dropped off the face of the earth. That version of himself, the glorious confabulation constructed in my image, simply removed the fake facade like a used up costume and just dropped it on the floor on his way out. The snake must shed his skin. Yes. So, you know, after this happens, it is time for us to be born again into a new image. He's not the only one, or she is not the only one, to just shed their skin and totally reinvent themselves with a new partner and a new life, usually in a new place. We have to do that, too, in the aftermath of what has happened. But there are disturbing events that sometimes twists the blade of betrayal even deeper. So in my case, phone calls began 
almost immediately after I was discarded where I could hear his voice and a woman's voice muffled to the point where I could only hear a few words here and there, but clearly, you know, they were having conversation, long calls that kept going for like 30 minutes or more on my uh, voicemail. One time, um, you know, well, a couple of times I actually answered and just listened uh, to this going on. Uh, once, you know, I think if it had happened only once, it might be dismissed as a butt call. Two times might be recklessness or coincidence, but by the third and fourth call, or even the fifth call, it's clearly more sadistic than accidental. He knew that I would be pathetically trying to listen in, helplessly pressing the phone to my ear, riddled with grief and shock and sadness and jealousy and all those horrible emotions and trying to make out the words that my replacement was saying to my husband, the man who answered her prayers like I thought he had answered mine. There is silence because, you want to know why? They're, that they're so good at silence? Because there's no one home in them. They're, they are absence. They are an absence. They are absent. They are missing. They are MIA. They're not there. They're gone. There's nobody home. There is a silence because the empty ones, these hollow people, the, these dead ones, they're dead inside. They feel nothing and they remember nothing. Maybe bits and pieces of things that don't matter, but they twist them to create a narrative that fits what they want it to fit which isn't true. You know, probably 80, 90% of what they remember from this 10, 20, 30 year marriage or whatever is false. Bits and pieces are true, but they have manipulated the, the little bits of truth into being a completely different story that never happened. And most people believe them. Why wouldn't you believe them? Such a nice, polite, charming person telling you how this other person was so terrible and did all these terrible things to them. So, um, you know, there's, they just don't remember correctly. They have no emotional allegiance to you, nor do they have any emotional memory of you and your time together. They have no emotional allegiance to you and no emotional memory of you. Out of sight, out of mind. And the shroud of silence is a fortress that surrounds the narcissist and psychopath. It is impenetrable. You can't reach them. They are ghosts who do not exist in any real form in this reality that the rest of us live in. Theirs is a reality of smoke and mirrors, shared fantasies, idealization and infatuation, magical thinking, um, you know, just all these different kinds of things, um, just fabrications that they make themselves believe, you know, they gaslight themselves and everyone else believes them. They even believe their own, own gaslighting. They are the crazy makers the stage performers, the entertainers, the snake charmers, the hypnotists, they are filled with delusions and paranoia, envy and contempt, gaslighting and cognitive dissonance. 
They are the fog dwellers and flamethrowers who enchant and entrain. If you don't know what entrainment is, put a little stick a stick a red flag in that one and, and spend some time reading about that. Um, they do that. They entrain you. They're cult leaders, essentially, right? They're cult leaders and brainwashers, truth deniers, mind-bending vibrational energy healers with superpowers used for dark things, for um, used for um, to destroy. You know, they live above the law, outside the rules, beyond the borders. They are soul rapists saviors and destroyers, angels and demons, all rolled into one amorphous entity without any morals or ethics, without any remorse or guilt. Visionary, clever manipulators, violators, trespassers, predators, they are the alpha and the omega. They are the victim. They're the rescuer. They're the persecutor. They are your dream come true and your worst nightmare. They are your father, mother, child, you're everything. You're, you experience God in them, and eventually you experience, um, you know, Satan in them. Both sides of that coin. And, you know, they are not of this reality or this time or this world. They are your executioner and will always murder you in the end but they will live on as interjects in your head, even after they're gone. So the sound of silence is nothingness. The narcissist and psychopath are nothingness personified. That's what they give you. Silence, infinite space. They died a long time ago and their attempts to feel normal and feel alive, require them to act as they do. It's never going to change. They are incapable. It's too late. A smart person will accept the silence. They will sit in that space and ponder how they got there. They will purge the narcissist voice from their head and turn inwards to discover that vast territory that lies within that's what we can do. The inner landscape, the promise and potential that it all holds. The narcissist does not own these uncharted lands. Their internal regions are empty caves, howling wilderness, desolate fields, and dead seas. The rebirth and recovery from a relationship with a narcissist demands silence. You accept it as a gift. You learn to sit alone with that silence and listen. Listen to the truths that are carried by the soft winds. Listen without fear or anxiety. I try to check in with my clients, my former clients that I have worked with as a narcissistic abuse recovery facilitator, one young man who lives halfway across the world, who I have counseled for almost two years now, recently responded to my text checking on him. And I said, 
Hey, just checking in. How are you doing? He says, better. Just trying to be. Wise words from an injured man with the soul of a poet. People are always trying to be this or to be that. To be strong, be brave, be better, be happy. Why don't we just try to be? Take the bad things done to harm you and turn them into good things. Be the silence. And that will help you on your road to recovering from these twisted, crazy, down-the-rabbit-hole relationships um, with a person who is mentally ill, who has brain damage, a deficient brain that doesn't work correctly, and they're all hollowed out, scooped out, and empty, and they just cannot be what they need to be or what you need them to be or, or anything. You know, at some of your moments that you are spending with yourself, I hope you realize that I know it's hard to forgive and I know it's hard to have pity for someone who has done so much, so much harm, so much devastation, not to just, not just to your life, but to everyone's life around you. It's so hard not to just be angry and want revenge and all of that kind of stuff. I, I think of it as like a person who's profoundly mentally ill and they're perhaps having hallucinations, visual and auditory things, and, and they think they're seeing demons and they commit some really heinous crime in that um, mentally impaired state where they're seeing things, they're hearing things, and, and they harm someone um, that you care about. It would be so easy to want to have them have the death penalty. That would be the first knee-jerk reaction, right? Tooth for a tooth and eye for an eye, however that goes, you know. But I think when we look at it a little deeper, these people are sick. They're diseased. They're not okay. Something horrible happened to them to just crush them a long, long time ago. And, and there's something tragic about that, that, that they cannot ever be like a real human being and have a real life that's, that's true and authentic and, and like what you and I and other neurotypicals are capable of, you know, we may have some things wrong with us, attachment disorders, abandonment issues. We may be codependent, but at the end of the day, we don't have brain issues or neurochemical issues like that, or, or the hollowness, the death that is just inside them. We are not profoundly mentally ill, even though we have mental health issues that we have to deal with, there's a difference. And in my more honest moments, I do feel sorry for him. I'm so sorry that whatever happened to him happened, that did what it did to him. And all those years, I believed 
that he was becoming, coming into himself and growing a conscience and becoming a real person. It was all just, just an act. It was all just him playing a part because he couldn't be that. He couldn't be. And no matter how hard he wanted to be or how much I loved him and wanted him to be, he couldn't. He just couldn't. And so at some point, I think the key, one of the fundamental keys of your healing is to accept that and stop wishing them harm. They've already been harmed so much that it killed them. And if you live in that bitterness, I think it might kill you too. So that's just some food for thought. And I hope you will spend some quiet time away from any screen or person or noise, but just quiet. Feel your feelings. Know your truth. Plot your future. And be in the moment. I wish you much love. And I hope that things get easier as time goes on. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.